All right, so our lesson tonight is about faith in the impossible. Now, I put the impossible in parentheses, or quotation, sorry, not parentheses, um, because there's a lot of things that we look at from a human perspective and say, well, that's impossible because science can't prove that, or nobody's ever done that before, and that kind of deal. But with God, anything is truly possible. And But the thing is, a lot of times in the Bible, when God called people to do something that seemed impossible, there was natural doubt that came up, like, we can't do that. You know, it's never been done before. That's not, you know, you can't logically do that. And the thing is, I'm going to talk tonight about how God defies logic. And somebody that's not a Christian, somebody that's not a believer, that's a hard thing to wrap their head around, that God is above humanity, and that truly nothing is impossible with God. And so a lot of things people will say, well, God couldn't do that because that's just not possible. So tonight we're going to look at what are some of the things God calls people to do that may seem impossible to us. What evidence do we have to say that God actually did those things? And what's an example in the Bible of somebody that God used to go through what, they, what seemed like an impossible event? So as we kind of dive into it here, <clears throat> um, I want to talk about Joseph tonight. And not the Joseph in the, in the Old Testament, but the New Testament. Um, so this is Jesus' earthly father, okay? Um, there's not a lot in the Bible about Joseph. If you do some study about Joseph in the Bible, look at his life and, you know, look up some uh, just historical things about him, there's not a lot you can really find because the Bible doesn't actually go into depth about Joseph. However, it gives some very key things on why God chose Joseph to be Jesus' earthly father, and what that looks like for us today, what it means for us. So in Matthew 1, 19, I'll read this off to you guys. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, talking about Mary's husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I want to give you other fun facts here. Nowhere in the Bible does it record Joseph ever talking. I'm going to think about that. Nowhere in the Bible, you, go, you can do some research, nowhere in the Bible does Joseph have any words actually recorded, uh, like verbally speaking? Which that, that's why I think it's so cool. But it tells you about Joseph, what kind of person he was, and what he ends up deciding to do without using like what he actually said, which is kind of neat. So it says that Joseph is a just man. A just man basically means a man of integrity. Uh, he was a good, respectable man, somebody that held himself in a high regard. Uh, as far as why like, he tried to carry himself well, tried to live a righteous life, tried to live a life in honor of God. Now, as, the, as he finds out that Mary is pregnant, this is soon to be wife, this would be um, a pretty concerning thing. Um, and if we're looking at faith in the impossible, logically, it's not possible for somebody to get pregnant without, you know, having sexual relations with somebody. So, 
if Mary were to come up to him and say, Joseph, um, crazy story here, but uh, I'm pregnant, and I know it's not from you, but it's from the Holy Spirit, he's probably like, most of us would be like, this girl is off her mind right now, and obviously she's not the person I thought she was, which is kind of what Joseph uh, feels and thinks in this moment. And, but, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're engaged to be married to somebody, and that person told us they're pregnant, but they never had sexual relations with anybody else, um, or, and, and we know we didn't have sexual relations with them, we're going to know that's impossible, okay, for them to be pregnant, based on what we know in, in the world today. And we're probably going to be pretty ticked. And so the way we respond to them, we're probably going to say some mean things, we're probably going to want to make them feel bad or punish them because they hurt us. And so a lot of times, selfishly, and with our sinful desires and stuff as a human, a lot of times when somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them as well, right? And we kind of retaliate that way. But Joseph doesn't do that. If you think about it here, it says that after Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, obviously he's crushed by this, and he decides to divorce her quietly. So basically he's not going to go and you know, tell everybody that he knows that, you know, oh, my soon be wife cheated on me or whatever he thinks happened there, which would probably be logical. Um, but he's just going to divorce her quietly, let her go about her life her own way, and him go about his life. And that shows that he's a pretty righteous man because most people wouldn't respond that way. Most people, especially in this culture, because in this culture, it was a very patriarchal society. Women were not on the same level as men. And so if Joseph were to come out in the public, and claimed that Mary did this, uh, they probably would have killed her, or at least punished her very harshly. But Joseph, even though she hurt him, he still cared enough about her, he still loved her, even though he didn't want to marry her anymore, he was going to divorce her quietly, and not let anybody know about it, and just go about their own lives, and so that way she could live uh, in peace. And so, he was a just man. In addition to this, um, he also obeyed God's instructions. Because when the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and told Joseph, hey, Mary told you the truth. This child is from the Holy Spirit. I know that seems impossible, but with God, it's not. And we're about to do something that, that seems impossible that God's going to make possible. When that happens, Joseph believes the angel. And you see here, he doesn't argue back. He doesn't say, well, that's just so stupid. He, he listens to the angel, says, okay, you know what? I don't get it. This is not my plan. But you know what? I'm going to trust God and obey God. So he also had a strong obedience in God. And further than that, as the story progresses, Joseph also continues doing this obedience in God by leaving Egypt and fleeing from Herod um, as, as God calls him to leave because Herod was actually trying to kill Jesus. He sent, he was trying, after he figured out about Jesus, Herod wanted to kill Jesus because he wanted people to just worship and praise him, not this king of the Jews, or this potential Messiah or Savior. And so, um, in this, in later on in the Bible, Joseph also stays obedient to God and trusts God, even though they have to move and go to a foreign land. Uh, he does that and does it boldly. And he also lived in humility. If you think about this, like I said, Joseph is never recorded in the Bible as saying words. And we don't know a lot about Joseph, partly because Joseph is not the center of the story. Obviously, it's Jesus. But I think that's also because Joseph is a very humble man. He's not trying to be out in the front, get all the praise and glory, be like, 
Look what I did. I obeyed God. I'm Jesus' earthly father. How cool is this? Look at me. Look at me. You never hear about any of that in the story. He just obeys God. He just trusts God. He provides for the family the best he can. And the, the praise goes to Jesus. He's also a very humble person. And so why does God choose Joseph? It's because of integrity. Integrity. Obedience. And humble. Yeah. And humility. Something that's a good uh, lesson for us in our lives today. If you want God to use you in a really powerful way, and God to, uh, to use you to fulfill an incredible plan that He has, have integrity. Be obedient to God and have humility. These are qualities that God looks for in people He can use in powerful ways. Alright, so as we kind of move through though. That's not, it's easier said than done. How do you trust God when he calls you to impossible things? Because that's not easy what Joseph did. To just trust God and say, okay, you know what, God? I'm doing it. I believe you. Although that's never happened in history, I believe you and I'm going to do it. That's easier said than done. And one of the verses I'm going to read you guys off, and to kind of wrap this up with old Joseph, is this right here. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, and it's, it starts in verse 20. It says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And if you scroll down to verse 27, it says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world Put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things of which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring nothing to the things that are. That no flesh should glorify in his presence. So what those verses mean is that how we see the world as humans is not always how God sees the world. And how what we're limited by as humans, God is limited. And he, he uses things that people say can't be used. And he uses situations that people say on earth that nothing good can come from that. And uses that in an incredible way to show his power, to show how he, he is mighty and he is above what we can see here on our humanly um, realm. And so we have to remember that, that when God calls you to do something, you have to also remember that when God calls you to it, he'll guide you through it. And so, um, when God calls you to it, he'll guide you through it, knowing that, although it seems impossible to us, when you have a God that can work through impossible things, he will bring forth his glory through those situations. In addition to that, all throughout the Bible and our lives today, God gives us little glimpses of things that have happened, that show that what he calls you to, and the impossible things he calls people to, how he does bring it to fruition, and how he does fulfill that plan. So, one with Jesus, Jesus proves time and time again in the Bible that he is the Son of God. And so, um, Joseph, although he trusts God and obeys him from the start, after he knows this, he also gets reaffirmed many times throughout his life, because he can see how Jesus is becoming the person that God has called him to be, and how he is the Son of God. And obviously when Jesus dies on the cross and raises from the grave three days later, and nobody's ever done that before, 
He proved multiple times that he is the son of God, all the miracles he performed, things like that. And so the impossible thing that God did, people said, that's not possible, that's not from God. Mary's making it up, she's full of crap, you know, whatever. Time and time again, Jesus proved that, you know, Mary was telling the truth, and God did an impossible thing through her. In our lives today, there are miracles that happen all the time. You know, just simple birth is a miracle in itself. There's also medical miracles that happen day in and day out. Most of the time, the news doesn't cover those kind of things because the news is focused on negative and, and, and horrible stories. And a lot of times, the reason why the news is focused on negative stories is because that's what gains a lot of attention, and that's what gets more viewership, and the higher viewership, they get more advertising, they get more money. It's all money driven. And so a lot of times, good stories, unfortunately, don't gravitate the viewership like the bad stories do, and so they get weeded out, and you always hear bad and terrible stories, and you don't realize all the miracles that happen every day on this earth. In addition to that, um, there's a few things I want to share with you guys. One is pretty fascinating, and um, I don't believe necessarily that everything this guy's ever done um, is true. I think several things have been proven to be false, but I also believe several things have been proven to be true. And um, whether this is actually the blood of Jesus or not, we'll probably never know that. There's really no way to actually totally prove that. But years ago, um, on the spot in Israel, where they believe, on the spot, I'm sorry, where Jesus died on the cross, um, there was a guy that dug like 60 feet into the ground through tunnels and canals and things like that, looking for evidence, looking for buried things, uh, looking for, because the Ark of the Covenant also went missing for a while, uh, and they still. That in the Ark of the Covenant may or may not have been found. He found something that looks like that. We don't know. But these, a lot of these artifacts were built for time. People couldn't find. And so this guy went digging and was trying to find some of these artifacts and trying to find things that people thought were lost forever. Well, he went down, like I said, about 60 feet. And underneath where Jesus would have been buried, um, there was a crack that kind of went all the way from the surface or close to the surface, um, all the way down to where he was at, like 40, 60 feet deep in the earth. And it was, um, I think it was actually on what, they, what he thought was the Ark of the Covenant, which who knows, could be. And it had black stuff all over it. Um, it had black stuff on the, on, the, on the top of it. It had black stuff on the, dry black stuff on the dirt. Uh, and there's some videos of this as well. And so he thought, well, that's weird. What is that? And he, he looked into it, and he realized it actually like it was blood. And um, so they took the blood, took it to a scientific lab, got it tested uh, to see if it was blood and, you know, what, what, what it was. And it came back that it was blood, and it had 24 chromosomes in it. 23 female chromosomes and one male chromosome, which, if you guys know, you should have 23 of both. And so there's speculation that that could have actually been the blood of Jesus if it was from that spot that he died on uh, because it would have been 23 chromosomes from Mary and then one from the Holy Spirit, uh, which would have been pretty neat. Um, so, again, 
to find a way to actually prove that this is truly uh, Jesus' blood. There's a lot of speculation about that. But one of the articles I want to read to you guys off, it's, it says, well, there's no, nothing compared to it. It's a problem. They didn't keep DNA back then. Um, but let me read this off to you real quick. It says, according to the lectures given by Ron Wyatt, the blood that he discovered and had analyzed had only 24 chromosomes. The full text wanted as many sermons to be read if you guys go to it later. Ron Wyatt actually stated, we tested to make sure it was blood. It is unique blood. I will quickly state this. I know that there are some doctors here and nurses and people who are familiar with blood. All of us have 46 chromosomes unless we have Down syndrome. Christ had 24. Each parent applies 23 chromosomes to a new infant. Christ got 23 from his mother. He got one from his father. And it was a Y chromosome which made him male. He got it not from an earthly father, or he would have had 46 like the rest of us. According to his account, Ron Wyatt had a blood analysis in a laboratory in Tel Aviv, and Ron Wyatt has shown these results to only a few trusted friends. The technicians in the laboratory were amazed at the analysis of this unique, of this unique human blood. They found his blood did not contain a normal uh, complement of 46 chromosomes, but in fact it did only contain 24 chromosomes. In the sample of the blood, there was a full complement of 22 autosomal chromosomes and one X chromosome from the mother, but only one Y chromosome, the sex that determines the chromosome from the father. The other 22 autosomal chromosomes from the father, the parental chromosomes were missing. The technicians from the laboratory in Tel Aviv asked Ron White where he had attained his blood. He replied, it's the blood of your Messiah. Pretty interesting. Um, you can do some research on that. Yeah. Do some research on that, but like I said, very interesting. Um, another um, supernatural spiritual phenomenon, and we're not Catholic, but um, in uh, the several um, Catholic circles over the last 2,000 years, uh, during communion, they call it Eucharist, where you do the blood, oh, sorry, you do the wine and the bread, uh, you know, you take, and to represent Jesus' body and his blood. Uh, there's actually been several instances where the bread um, during the communion turned into like this fleshier material and actually some kind of red material came out of it looking like blood. And they actually tested one material and it was blood. Now that's bizarre. Um, again, I wasn't there. I can't say that it for sure happened uh, like they said. But there's some, there's some good pictures and evidence out there. It says it's happening. I'll read off an article to you guys. It is pretty fascinating. It says, um, on many occasions throughout Catholic history, uh, consecrated hosts have miraculously bled or turned into human heart tissue. Such miracles are physical manifestations of the theological core. Um, and it says here, it is only after the intense investigation the church declares miracles. So they, the Catholic Church, when this happens in, they typically do a pretty extensive investigation. I'm not sure exactly all that involves before they say it actually is human flesh or blood or, or whatever. So it says here, in an interview, the head of the committee, Mr. Francis Minion, explained on December 1st, there was a host was taken for testing to a biologist at Undisclosed University. He said, we are only at the beginning stages of the investigation. The biologist is doing the simplest of tests to determine if it is, is indeed 
human blood. If it is, um, the, Mr. Manian said there will still need to be further investigation. Ultimately, it would go to, to the Holy See for church validation. Um, and then it goes on here, it says Mr. Manion encouraged people to remain calm. He said that when they receive the test result, it will be made public. Um, and then as, as, as he proceeds on the investigation, uh, it does come back that um, the blood that they thought appeared was proven to be human blood. Um, it was AD positive blood. Now, again, um, God can work miracles. I definitely believe that. If it happened or not, I wasn't there. Uh, I don't have all the facts and evidence of that. I don't think anybody does except those that are in that kind of state. But it could happen. Um, and I think God does appear that way sometimes, even in the world today, to show us that he is above human reason. He is above what we think is impossible. Because we look at bread and say bread can't turn into flesh material. You know, bread, bread can't start bleeding. Okay, that makes no logical sense. There's nothing that science can back that up. However, God can do what we consider impossible. And sometimes he does that to show that he's over all of us. He's over what our realm of reasoning is. What we see as possible, God is above that. He is an infinite God. And so there's all kinds of stories like that, whether it's the blood found underneath the cross, whether it's the Ark of the Covenant they believe they found, whether it's uh, a Eucharist actually becoming flesh and blood, whatever it may look like. Jesus appeared many, many times throughout history. The problem is many people deny these things. They use excuses. But they say, oh, they're just making that stuff up. But if we believe in God, we believe that God can do the impossible. And God shows us that time and time again through little miracles every day. It's important for us to notice those things, to not just pass them off, and to praise God when he gives us things like that. Because that should strengthen your faith, to show you that there is a God out there. Because these things can't happen without a supernatural presence coming in and doing that. And as we close here, <clears throat> be open to anything God may call you to do. You know, there's a famous verse that says, here I am, Lord, use me. When you have that mindset, you begin to see God do the impossible in your life. Never say that God would not call you to something or not call you to go somewhere. Because many times, that's exactly what he's going to call you to do. Or exactly where he's going to call you to be. Unless it's an unbiblical thing. The more impossible a task may seem, the more God ends up being glorified through it when it's fulfilled. So if God calls you to do something that seems impossible, don't look at it as a negative thing. Look at it and say, well, thank you, God, because God trusts you to be obedient to him, and he wants to use you to do something that is seemingly impossible to humans. That's incredible. And so if God wants to use you in that kind of way, it may seem scary because the world's not going to understand all of that, and maybe never fully understand. But if God wants to use you in a way that, like Joseph and Mary in an impossible situation, obviously he's not going to do that again. But he calls you to do something or to go somewhere that you just don't think there's no way I can do that. Trust him in that. Because again, where God guides you, he'll provide along the way. If God guides you to it, he'll guide you through it. So remember that, and that God will work the impossible. Don't see challenges God puts in your way as God not loving you, but that God is desiring to use you in a mighty way for his glory. And he knows that through this challenge, when you look to him and obey him, when he does guide you through that, your faith will be strengthened. You'll be a more powerful witness for him. And you'll be able to share the gospel more boldly with those around you. So have faith that whatever God guides you to, he'll be there to guide you through it. 
Let me go ahead and pause the video here.